0: Welcome to Mankato City Stream, a podcast about city happenings.
1: Welcome to Mankato City Stream. I'm your host, Adele Fiedler. Today, we're with Mankato City Manager, Susan Arntz, and we're going to discuss the state of the city. Welcome, Susan. Thank you,
0: Adele. I'm glad to be here
1: thanks for joining me on on Mankato City Stream. And so as I said, today we're going to talk about state of the city. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with it though, can you
0: provide some background on what state of the city is? Yeah, so a state of the city is essentially our report card, right? So it's an opportunity for us to kind of collect in a, in a document uh, our annual report of all of our activity, check in on some of our achievements and some of the things we've learned, update performance measures, and review how we've resor- allocated resources over the last year. And doing that then allows us to kind of queue up uh, how we connect the day to day work to the strategic plan. And probably more importantly, set the framework for what we do in the future. So it's really kind of that beginning and that annual formal check-in on our work. And are we hitting kind of those goals and objectives? Okay, so it's being
1: accountable for for what uh, the city shared with the public that that we would achieve. And you mentioned strategic plan. And can you give a brief overview of of what the strategic
0: plan is and how it's connected to state of the city? Yeah, so we have currently a strategic plan that is usually about a five-year plan. And it really is those big picture objectives or goals that we want to achieve. And then once we've identified those big picture goals and objectives, then the staff work back to build work plans on what can we do to work towards those goals and objectives. And then so annually, when we work on the state of the city, we can check in on how are we doing towards that, achieving those big picture goals? What have we done in those in moving some of those obje- objectives forward? And then another huge part of that strategic plan is also all the day-to-day work that we have. So not all of our work is project-based or strategic objective-based, but it allows us to kind of connect the day-to-day work to those strategic objectives, because without the day-to-day work, none of the strategic things can happen. So it's kind of building that connection so that if if it's something that is, that we're spending a lot of time on, for example, and it's not connected to some strategic objective or a community expectation or some routine required work that we have to do, we really should be stopping and asking are we spending our resources here right, correctly? You know, whether that's money, whether that's staff time, you know, kind of is that formal opportunity to kind of check in once a year going, oh, okay, well, maybe we need to pivot here a little bit and focus our energy more here or to lay out those objectives in the strategic plan and look at the different things that we've kind of set forward, whether it's housing affordability or, uh, increased transit access or uh, sustainable, sustainability, those efforts to kind of take a look at that and then say, boy, we really haven't moved that needle quite the direction we wanted to. So it's a good opportunity periodically to stop, check in, and then you know pivot as necessary.
1: So it sounds like even though we've got the strategic plan and the state of the city, which is our report card, like you mentioned, it it still sounds like it's a fluid document or yeah. a word, working document. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's a good comment. It is a working document because it, you know, although we can, Set a, set a plan forward, our work is so dynamic because it involves the public, different requirements that come from different layers of government or other entities change. And so we do have to be very nimble. And so kind of always keeping an eye on kind of the forward, but also kind of where are we at? And then also looking back, where have we been? Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's not a simple document, but it certainly is something that kind of allows us that future path.
1: And you had mentioned the public, you know, the public is really important to the work that we do at the city. And from what I understand, their public, their, the public input was also real important to developing the city's strategic plan.
0: Absolutely. So the city had a huge process that started with some work by Greater Mankato Growth, the city did some engagement with the community to try and identify those big picture categories. Uh, As a result of that, we've been able to lay out those strategic plan objectives. Uh, As that plan starts coming to a conclusion in 23, I would expect that we'll start building later this year kind of what does that plan forward look like? How do we start working on, you know, kind of that formal check in on here's how we did on that strategic plan and here's what we're going to do forward. Uh, We are starting some process through our budgeting now with our staff on working on identifying key performance indicators. Because one of the things I do believe is that just because we're doing more of something does not necessarily mean we're doing it better. How can we create some measures to give us a better a sense of are we doing it better? Um, are we creating better trends? Are we improving our operations? Uh, it doesn't mean that we're striving for perfection every day, uh, but we are striving to make sure that we're using best practices, making sure that we're identifying. Uh, opportunities to look at, uh, you know, kind of how can we tell whether we're we're moving the needle, so to speak, on improving this service, because we don't build widgets. It's harder for us to just say, well, we did we did better here because we produced more, um, and we don't have uh, a quality control department that can take the widget and. Try to break it and see if we made it better this time. Uh, our services aren't completely like that, so we have to use input from the public. We have to use uh, the data we can assemble. We have to look at trends. We have to look at feedback we've received over time, not just individual, in, you know, instantaneous feedback. We have to go out and talk to people that have mm-hmm. used the service and ask them. You know, what have you observed? What was your experience? And then take that information back and then, you know, work on are there ways that we can improve what we've heard or maybe what we've heard is all good. So how do we keep doing that? So we don't, you know, slide backwards or, you know, what, 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 what have we done in our process that has made sure that we stay, you know, at that mark. Um, So it's, it's helpful to just kind of take that opportunity to look back on some of those things.
1: Thank you for explaining what the strategic plan is and then its connection to state of the city. And it's just this ongoing work and reviewing the work looking back and then how can we, we make it better, as you had said. So let's go ahead and shift gears to focus on um, this year's state of the city, which highlights three areas serving community, engaging community and enhancing community. So if we start with that first bucket of serving community, can you share what some of the
0: highlights were within that area? So we have a lot of work in serving the community. I mean, generally, that's pretty much everything we do every day, right? So when you look at it, it would be hard to write a report card on every possible thing you've touched. Uh, But to highlight some of the key things that happened specifically in 2021, one of the handful of the items. So we added an app that called the Vitals Aware Service. And it's an app that we can work with people who have family members that Maybe they wander family members who maybe have some uh, mental health challenges when they're out in the public and they can get this little uh, device they can wear on their shoe, their belt, uh, you know, kind of wear on their person so that uh, if they come into a- if they come into contact with a member of our public safety staff, the public safety team has this app on their device. It will pop up this individual's name. It'll pop up key information about the individual so that our public safety team knows how to interact, knows how to respond. Um, you know, what are some of those important things that help this particular individual, uh, so that we can give them more of a customized response, uh, especially with people who may wander, um, for a variety of reasons, Mm -hmm. it gives us an opportunity to know their name, uh, potentially an address. It also helps us with, you know, if they have some mental health challenges or, um, they have a, you know, a way that we can get their attention. Um, it gives our, our team a way to be able to, uh, provide a, a gentler, more customized approach in response to the individual. Uh, and we have a handful of people in the community that have taken advantage of the app, and we are hopeful that we can continue to promote it for others to use in the community as well. We also added in public safety uh, two new Lucas chest compression systems. So these are a device that our public safety department, primarily fire, can use to um put over someone who needs chest compressions or CPR service. And, you know, it frees up our staff's time to be able to focus on other act- other activities or other parts of the incident so that we can, um, you know, kind of preserve their energy and their strength. Otherwise we have to have one person dedicated to that chest compression, which can be a very taxing mm-hmm. thing. We've had 11 opportunities last year to use that tool uh, or that device Uh, with some great success. So very happy to have that resource for our team to be able to add. And then also in public safety, we'll move on to other departments here in a minute, but also in public safety, we launched the um, public safety dashboard. So in 2020, the community set forth a commitment to say that we want to be more uh, transparent with the information we have about how our public safety department response. So our team has worked on building this dashboard that has information for the public to be able to look at. Uh, It's accessible through our website. Uh, 24-7, of course, and they can look at and get information about different calls, different types of calls, different individuals involved in calls. Uh, it's kind of sorted by a variety of information. And then it has the ability, our, our website has the ability for people to do a uh, data request. So we've, we've made a lot of things on that public safety dashboard uh, much easier for the public to consume. So very happy to have that. Um, then dramatically shifting gears. we um, In 2020, we started a project adding Wi-Fi to several of our parks. We now have it fully accessible at eight city parks so that uh, as the public is maybe not constantly doing Um, education in the park, you know, outside of their home, or needing strong uh, internet service to be able to do that. They can now pivot and use that in different ways when they're out and about in the community, or maybe they want to read on their Kindle and or they want to uh, listen to an audiobook while they lay in a hammock. Uh, Now they have a different opportunity to be able to do some of those things. Uh, We also had $438,000 of grants that we issued to community members relative to COVID response. So a little bit different than the CARES Act funds that we distributed in 2020. We had access to different funds in 2021 that we were able to um, share and get out into the community. And was that more for personal protective equipment or cleaning supplies? It was for a variety of things. Um, You know, there were some uh, grants for uh, utilities, uh, you know, kind of rent assistance. There was some um, definitely some personal protective equipment and, uh, you know, other elements like that Where you know, different organizations and different uh, community members that we participated with or helped get those funds um, and they're primarily funds that came from the state or federal government to us that we were then the keeper of and the distributor for. Okay. So it's really just kind of uh, passing through funds for approved activities. And then we piloted a project with North Mankato to do uh, fixed route service and curb to curb transit in their community in a slightly different way. And as a result of that pilot project, we submitted a grant to the state of Minnesota on their behalf uh, and were able to um, get fund funding for their program for them so that they could continue that service for the first year um, and it won't have any cost to Mankato. It will be fully funded by this uh, grant that we were able to secure for them. Um, yeah, If they continue that service in the years forward, there will be a shared cost for part of that. Okay. Uh, so we were able to help uh, navigate that. And then last, we added a transit stop at the Eastridge clinic as part of our bus service. So another just kind of paying attention to where people want and need to get to and mm-hmm. uh, kind of pivoting and restructuring our services so that we can kind of hit those targets. Oh, that's amazing because
1: I think transit is is something many people in our community need. So the fact that the City of Mankato and the City of North Mankato could work together to provide um, some transit services is a
0: really big plus for the community. Yeah, it'll be huge. One of the things that the public can watch for uh, kind of going forward with transit is that we'll be working on rebranding those buses so that when the public sees them, they know that they're a public transit. Right now, they give you the impression that they're only for university use, and that's not completely the purpose of the buses. So uh, as we go forward, you know, you'll see a slightly different look on those buses. Um, and You know, for the drivers that might be listening, the window tint will be gone. So it'll be easier to navigate as well. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be good. We've um,
1: seen actual city buses, especially for people who are new to the area that might not have um, a clue as to what, you know, the city bus is.
0: Yeah. So that'll be a good piece.
1: Okay, then there's engaging community, which is the next section featured in State of the City. Can you talk about some of the items that are featured in this this section?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that I'm particularly proud of, and you are a huge part of helping make this part happen, is that one of the really charming things about Mankato is that we really are serious when we say we want to work with people. Um, We work hard on identifying opportunities to ask, to get information, to have people share their feedback or their side or their experience so that as we're creating and constructing not just projects like roads and sidewalks and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things, but also, uh, you know, different projects like playgrounds or, um, you know, going forward, we'll have engagement again on, like I mentioned earlier, the strategic plan. So this right. is really, uh, you know, a passion for our community and working with people rather than always just doing two and four. And so this year we had a handful of projects uh, to talk about the Second Street Corridor Study. We we engaged, did a pretty strong engagement to ask the public there about uh, that road improvement, you know, kind of we have reconstruction of that area that we're working on. The Riverfront Drive Corridor Study. So we have been working for a handful of years on Kind of reinventing Riverfront Drive, both from a lane configuration, from a streetscape, meaning sidewalks and you know what's on what's on the side of the street. Uh, kind of reenvisioning how all those things work. So one of the things that we uh, have spent quite a bit of time on Riverfront Drive is talking with the public about kind of that corridor study and trying to make sure we identify key priorities for as we do an improvement on that area. What do we need to make sure we get included? Um, Um, we will have a demonstration project that will kick off, I think later this year, uh, and it will be in place for about a year so that we can kind of do tracking and measurement. Uh, but it's primarily to try and create a, I'll call it a temporary condition, um, primarily to look at a different lane configuration so that we could potentially add wider sidewalks that add different elements on the street, whether it's uh, wider sidewalks for pedestrians or uh, benches or other kinds of activity um, on the sidewalk so that we can kind of create a different way that the street gets consumed. Uh, And you had mentioned that Riverfront Drive, the uh, engagement
1: has been lasting for a few years. And I think that this is a really good example of a unique engagement opportunity where we're also really limited. Uh, We can't go to the river, for example, to extend it. We've got industry on one side, small town business on the other. And so it sounds like the city's being very deliberate in working to get the best information and the best input possible because of all the unique aspects, at least related to this particular uh, project.
0: Right. And, and I think a big part of that is my impression, at least some of this happened before I started. But my impression is that we did get feedback early on as we started to talk about this, which caused us to take a moment, uh, rethink what we were doing and continue engagement uh, so it wasn't just a single time we had a conversation with the public. I think we've had a multiple conversations with the public and then have kind of worked on different targeted areas because of the feedback we received. And it, you know, so when we say we want to hear, we really mean it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we're willing to rethink what we're doing based on the information we can get. Uh, so I, I do think that that's a good example. So that's a good good feedback from you too. You're a huge part of it. So, I mean, you have a front row seat to a lot of this work too. Uh, but I think that because we've done it for a number of years, having the opportunity to get information and then to say, oh, okay, well, we go back, we listen, we di- you know digest it a little bit and then get back together. And have had an opportunity to bring, bring back information. Hey, we heard this. What about this? And, you know, continue that conversation. So, you know, kind of doing this work together um, in, in more of that conversational or together approach rather than, okay, you came to the hearing, you gave us this feedback, we just went back and designed Um, you know, I think that that's a real opportunity for the community, but also for us to, you know, do work better. So we also had whistle-free zone, uh, study that is along the railroad. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had an opportunity on a number of the areas specifically where we did neighborhood engagement to talk with the public about, you know, what really is a whistle-free zone. Um, you know, is it really quiet make sure that the public really understands what the rules are you know if we're going to change how it functions now what options exist and get feedback from them on you know what what would be best so that as we do street reconstruction in those areas we have a sense of what we've heard from the public and of course before we you know, do any dramatic improvement, there'll be another opportunity for us to talk to the public and say, well, okay, in 2021, here's what we heard. So we've done this level of design. Here's where we're at. We're thinking about doing this project in pick this year and then we can get feedback again because potentially conditions have changed or, you know, uh, people have had a different experience with the train or the train, uh, you know, the, the, companies that run the trains may operate them differently. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, generally they've operated the same for a long time. That said, um, you know, there's, I I don't want to take anything completely off the table in that engagement. So we did do a fair number of uh, different engagements at each of the different intersections, kind of in areas near uh, those um, intersections and crossings, and then have done some, updates to the city council. So there've been some opportunities for the public to see and hear that as well. So that's, that's been a very dynamic uh, and it'll continue to be dynamic because none of the improvements are uh, inexpensive by any stretch. So we just have to continue to work with our partners on, you know, how, how do we, how do we, what, how do we work in those areas to try and improve the conditions based on what we've heard so far. And then last in December we did online engagement with Alexander Park, mm-hmm. so getting feedback uh, not just from the public, but you did a great job of uh, bringing some uh, opportunities for a voice to the actual schools in that area that Alexander Park serves, and so easily sixty percent of the students, that sixty to eighty percent of the students that participated, um, you know, gave us feedback about what they what they'd like to see in Alexander Park. And given that they are the consumer, um, their voice really matters. So, uh, you know, that was great. Good opportunity. Right, because so they'll be the ones on the playground
1: using the zip line or using the other equipment that's out there. And they were so excited, from what I understand, to be able to vote on on what they wanted to see in the park that they use the most. So. Yeah,
0: and we recently had an opportunity then to collect all of that feedback bring it to the city council and have them vote on getting it ordered. So, you know, we've made that step based on the feedback we have. So coming soon to a community near Alexander park, new play equipment. So we're excited for that as well. So in addition to the other kinds of engagement, we had you helped coordinate a youth Arbor day poster contest. That was very fun to see the, um, the, uh, submissions for that and the, and the, um, young people that won those awards. Uh, we coordinated a youth, uh, city scavenger hunt and had a pair of sisters that, uh, were the winners. And that was very fun to see, uh, kind of the collect the chart or the, the really, it was a poster almost, but their, uh, scrapbook of all the different things that they did and places they were, and that was they really well done. So the, I look forward to kind of continuing to watch that. In August, we participated in night to unite. So we were able to work with a lot of neighborhoods around the community to bring that back. And then city council members and key staff and our public safety department were able to get out in the neighborhoods and engage again with the public. So that was great. Um, In 2022, we will have uh, we're switching night to night so a thing to kind of put on your calendars that we'll be doing it, I think, earlier in August. I don't have the date right in my head, but so we did that. And then at the end of the year, we, we uh, brought back the city calendar with really two, over 200 really fantastic photos. So we have a lot of really very talented photographers in our community that shared their gifts. Um, and then we also created the City Stream podcast. So that's what you're listening to right now. Created by our own Adele Fiedler. Here we are.
1: New a new episode for the new year, right? All right. Thank you for sharing those um, items under engaging community. So so far, a lot of work being done. Um, in the two f- sections we discussed first. So lastly, there is um, enhancing community. And so what's important for people to know about the work that's been done in this area?
0: Yeah. So a number of the things in this category that we've been, I've been really proud of the work our team has done is uh, we've had a number of opportunities to do some communication on some really key documents where we've said, let's try um, creating the documents in a way that more people in our community can consume. So we've added translation to some of our documents. And uh, if you look at some of our documents, you'll see little QR codes or those black and white little codes that now you can use with almost any smartphone. And you can hold your phone over it with the picture or the, the camera um, app open. And it will take you then to a, uh, a document that's translated in your um, uh, language of choice. So we've, we've had an opportunity to do that a couple of times. We've used, our first opportunity was uh, on a uh, Recycle Smart brochure that we worked with the multifamily housing community to try and explore and expand recycling efforts in our um, Kind of apartment complexes mm-hmm. and different areas of the community. It's also available on our website. So we didn't just get it to the multifamily community. We shared it elsewhere, and so we've had a handful of opportunities to be able to use those QR codes to be able to have um, some translated documents available for people who are non primarily primarily English speakers. We honored Rosa Parks at the end of the year. Uh, it's the second year in the row that we've done the. Um, Res- save a seat for reserve a mm-hmm. seat for Rosa Parks on our uh, Mankato area transit buses and very proud of that. Uh, had a very nice um, image that we created and create some opportunity for education um, of the public. And I actually think this year we got more positive feedback than even last year when we did it for the first time. Uh, this year um, I, I, I had probably a dozen different interactions or comments from the public saying, wow, that was really great. So I'm very proud of that. We expanded the recycling to 27 city parks. We initiated work on managing the emerald ash borer, which is something, you know, it's a bug in our tree, ash trees that we know we're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So we've started a plan on, I'll call it selective tree management so that we can over time Remove and replace trees that are attractive to this uh, animal mm-hmm. uh, or insect so that we can, um, you know, over time not have the significant financial investment of removing all of the ash trees because it's become so pervasive. So we can um, periodically remove and then replace these trees um, with different variety. That diversified urban forest. Right. Yeah. Good. That's right. Um, That's a good way to describe it. A a more diverse urban forest. Yeah. Uh, And then last we created a new program for our public safety staff that's really aimed at improving and supporting their whole person. So um, both their physical and their mental health uh, and addressing some of the other areas that um, help make them a better employee when they're here for the public. Uh, so we launched that in July of 2021, and it's been received very well so far. We've had a number of opportunities to do some training for that department, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're very we're looking very much forward to. You know, kind of measuring impact that this work will have down the road. Um, and we've had some good feedback from officers already who've had an opportunity perhaps to be involved in um, uh, a call or a respond to a response for service that maybe was a little bit challenging mm-hmm. and to provide some support for them so that they can on their own time, but they can move through it quickly. And, uh, you know, return to work in a way that, you know, they can serve the public even better and stronger. Mm -hmm. And public safety is one core
1: um, of members of our team that are being given those opportunities. I know that the city has also worked on um, cultivating other staff throughout the organization. Yes. In addition to public safety, that that's really exciting to to hear of work being done in this area.
0: Yeah. So we, we've um, we did do a a pay analysis and did some modifications to our pay structure to make sure that we're competitive. The good news is for the most part, we were close. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so As a community whose tagline is leading the way, we wanted to make sure that we are um, indeed, you know, kind of our words and our actions connect. So we, we, we by no means are at the top of every scale uh, for our, each of our positions, but we did, you know, to pay attention to our market that we're in and to make sure that we remain a competitive employer. We did do a fair amount of work last year related to that. And then we've had really two staff development programs, one for supervisors that we call Thrive. And then we have another program for uh, individuals in our uh, organization that are newer to the organization called Infuse. And that program allows us to connect them over a period of time with all the different aspects and departments of the city. So it gives them kind of that, I'll call it the... um, orientation in a different way. Uh, it doesn't happen in one or two days where you know you just you've consumed so much information that it's hard to distill it but it's done over a period of time so that as they continue their day-to-day work they start to see those intersections between their work and these other divisions and departments And so that's been two really great things that we've added. Um, to the organization. So we're really pleased with that as well. Thank you for
1: sharing that because, yeah, I think it's great, great that the city is invested as a whole, not only in um, serving the public that we do every day, but also in looking how how staff can um can benefit as well. So there are some other highlights and accomplishments that are featured in in this year's State of the City, including Environmental Sustainability Coordinator Rick Baird being recognized by the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency with the Above and Beyond Award, and then the city maintaining its designation as a Metropolitan Statistical Area. Um, These are just a couple of the accomplishments. Um, How do these accomplishments and please feel free to share some of the other accomplishments that are, are noted in State of the City um, but how do they put Mankato on the map?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that probably most people in the public think is really kind of not very exciting, but we did maintain our AA bond rating, and you know the bond rating is a measure that has a lot of different inputs into it that help give kind of a the people who we work with from a financial perspective that help us do the projects we do or uh, help us with the financing of those projects uh, and essentially loan us money. There's a lot of different things that they look at. For example, they look at from all the policies we have about how we spend the money and then they connect the dots between, you know, kind of words and actions again, right? You know, do our policies follow with how we actually operate? Uh, we have, uh, quarterly, we give the city council a verbal report on our financial status, which also means that we're giving the public a report on our financial status. And that is a huge. Um, piece of our, I'll call it the matrix of, you know, what the city's bond rating is, mm-hmm. um, making sure that as we're funding our projects, that we're paying attention to fund balance to make sure that we're paying attention to, do we really have the resources to be able to do what we're saying we're going to do? Uh, and so, so that's a huge piece, maintaining that bond rating. You mentioned our, um, the MSA status or Metropolitan Statistical Area status, Uh, earlier in 2021, we were notified that the Census Bureau, as a result of the outcome of the 2020 census, was giving consideration to changing the definition of what a Metropolitan Statistical Area is by changing the population. And Mankato was sitting in a position of potentially losing that designation as an MSA. If that had happened, it would have affected not just our bond rating, which I talked about, but it would have also affected uh, grants that we're able to receive, funding that comes directly to the city that we pass through to organizations and elements in the community for everything from job development to housing to transit to other elements that the federal government uses that Uh, definition, uh, that metropolitan statistical area definition as a key feature in how they determine where funds are allocated. Okay. So it was fairly significant. Uh, We also received $300,000 of Brownfields grants. So Brownfields grants are given for communities that have areas that might be polluted or have some prior use on the property that might have rendered that property less than perfect for development. And so we were given $300,000 to assist with redevelopment along the Minnesota River, Sibley Parkway, uh, the Lincoln Park and North Henniker Park neighborhoods. And so our team will be over time working with those funds to try and work on what areas, how can we use that to help work on cleanup of property so that it can then be put back into uh, development status. And would you say the
1: environment benefits as well as they're looking at the the, um, cleanup of those particular
0: areas? Yeah, that's a huge piece of it, Uh, you know, especially with the work along the Minnesota River and Sibley Parkway. As we find and identify projects in those areas, you know, allow us to help improve not just the environment, but kind of the the uh, consumers um, use of those areas as well. You know, we have trails, we have other areas that are other elements recreational elements that happen in those areas not just build something new mm-hmm. we have other types of uses that happen in those areas whereas we do that cleanup it allows for that enjoyment of those outdoor spaces in a, in a better and diff- different way
1: uh, let's talk a little bit about the city's budget because the finances are also shared in in the state of the city and um from what I've seen, the budgets remain quite stable and the tax rate has actually been maintained for the past 11 years, which, which is significant. Uh, can you share how is maintaining that stable budget and keeping the tax rate the same been achieved?
0: So a big piece of that is really twofold, right? So part of keeping taxes and the city's finances stable is about the staff paying attention to how we're using the funds. So our our team does an excellent job of reviewing their operation on an ongoing and an annual basis to make sure that we're allocating the resources where we need them and that we're not overspending or underspending in any particular area so that we can you know kind of maintain that appropriate level of um, of expense uh, mm-hmm. for for the community's activity. The other thing that helps stabilize that budget is that we have seen growth in our uh, community. And because we've had that growth, we've been able to uh, capture the new tax revenue from that growth to help cover the cost of those additional services. So, you know, I kind of lead with a premise for the most part that growth should pay for growth. Mm -hmm. And so as we continue to grow and have to expand or add service, we kind of keep an eye on, you know, the the revenue that's coming so that we can make sure that we're not growing faster than the community is. And that we're also keeping a mind where there are times where we need to grow just a little bit faster so the community can grow to catch up. Uh, So kind of being very mindful and being very strategic about how we allocate those resources. Uh, So those are two really huge things, both kind of monitoring what's happening with growth uh, and not just growing for growth's sake, right? Mm. You know, making sure that we're doing making good investments uh, on uh, growth and redevelopment opportunities, but then also making sure that from an internal and expense side of it, that the staff are paying attention, keeping an eye on, identifying trends, you know, kind of looking at trends in budgets and making adjustments where uh, we may need to make some adjustments. You know, we don't have a, a small budget Uh, and so there's a lot to try and keep track of. So the good thing is, is that we've got a number of people in our organization that are laser focused in different areas, but we also have people in the organization that are looking more from that broader lens across the organization to make sure that we're kind of keeping our hands and eyes in the mix so that we're paying attention to kind of those broader trends that aren't just maybe a line item specific, right? You know, mm-hmm. if all we were doing was looking at um, uh, printing cost of utility bills, right? Uh, without thinking about, oh, well, we have more people signing up for online billing. So are we really mailing those bills out? You know, kind of keeping a lens and and kind of thinking about how we operate in the organization it allows us to kind of continue to stay competitive.
1: Okay. And then keeping, being good stewards of, of the taxpayer dollar Absolutely. ultimately. Uh, The state of the city mentions a couple of projects. want to touch on some of those projects that have been completed that I think community members are excited about.
0: Yeah, I think people were especially excited to see Warren Street be finished. And towards the end of the year, hearing more of when will it be done? And street reconstruction is very hard because there are long periods of time where activity looks like it's stopped, but there's other things happening. Um, We currently are in a situation where it takes a really long time to get Mm streetlights or uh, kind of um, uh, traffic signals. So we now, in the past, we've always started ordering traffic signals four to five months before the project even starts because we knew what the lead time on those were. That now, that lead time is now also now impacting streetlights. So we, this was the first year that we had seen that. So we will start working on ordering those streetlights ahead of time as well. Fortunately, we had projects that were timed between projects that we were doing, but also projects that we and the County were doing that we were able to kind of somewhat rob Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. So we used the signals or we first used, um, or traffic lights that we had on hand for, um, I think it was down by Victory Drive that we were able to use on Riverfront because they were the same ones. And then when the ones that came in for Riverfront, we were able to then take them down to um, Adams Street and County Road 12 where that roundabout was finished. And then then when those ones came in, we were able to use them on Victory Drive. And, you know, we kind of had a lot of that going on this year of kind of paying attention to um, those resources and making sure that we were kind of getting them where they needed. And so although they all took longer than we wanted, um, oddly, they timed themselves out from, um, you know, kind of arriving. So we were fortunate that we had some on hand to be able to kind of kick that project off. Uh, Prairie Winds Park is a new park that we added this year. So I think the community that is around that really appreciated seeing that uh, get finished. The Minnesota River Trail Bridge was a huge project for us to have that project finished. And I know we've had a lot of people uh, excited about that. Um, not as exciting, but um, really important is that we completed the Greater Mankato River Valley Trail Master Plan. And so that plan allows us not only to uh, schedule out future construction, it al- helps us with grant applications for uh, improvements along that uh, trail plan. Mm-hmm. And then also it'll allow us to do uh, a different kind of work on trail signage and uh, location signage and some of those kinds of things. And then we have a number of things. We don't do all of our work by ourselves. So we had right. a number of things where we partnered with others. I mentioned the um, Adam Street and County Road 12 Roundabout, Victory Drive. Those were both county projects that we had a role in. The Stoetsman Road Trail Uh, was another piece that we had that uh, the county did the work. We had some small partnership in that and a lot of great feedback from people once that trail was done. They were so excited to have that in place. The Riverfront Drive Roundabout at County Road 14, another intersection where the public was really excited when it was done. Uh, They were glad it was being done and then excited when it got done. And then last, probably one of the partnership projects that I'm proudest of was the work our... Uh, Public Works Department did with the Vietnam Veterans Memorial display that was in town uh, last year. Okay. Uh, And normally that display would like to come to our community about once every 10 years. And because it was so well received and easy, uh, you know, give and take, you know, these things involve a lot of hands, but Mm -hmm. because of the uh, relationship we had and the uh, World War II veterans are aging in our community. The Vietnam veterans are aging in our community. The individuals that organize this really want to make sure that we bring back this Vietnam Veterans Memorial, um, you know, in five years. So okay. we're going to be very fortunate to be able to have it come back here sooner than normal. That's amazing. Cutting down the time in half to to bring it back, to right? share with yeah. the community. Yeah. and kudos to the community for supporting it and being so excited. It was very well attended and very well um, viewed. It was a uh, I was down there for kind of one of their major event and uh, it was it was very well received. So I, I think it'll be a great thing to be able to bring back as well.
1: As always, the city of Mankato is planning for the future. Uh, what can community members look forward to over the next year?
0: Well, less exciting, but equally important, um, we're going to be working on these key performance indicators for our staff so that we can have a better story to be able to communicate to the public uh, whether we know we're doing it better, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, more is not always better just because we... Plow more miles of street, or we mow more acres of grass, or we do more reservations at the event center doesn't necessarily mean we're doing it better. So, trying to identify ways to uh, kind of look at those um, measurements and create some opportunity for data that uh, gives us a sense of, you know, kind of those trends and, uh, operational work. Uh, I think that'll be a huge piece for this year. So that's kind of the in internal thing for people to watch and know that we're doing, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the more exciting things. Um, we are working on, um, have been spending many Monday afternoons working on improvements to Turtle Lot Park. Uh, so we have the, the pool, the bathhouse, uh, and then working on, uh, kind of the tot pool, uh, on the east side of the pool on kind of reinventing what that would likely be. It's uh, right now in the current concept design stage is headed towards a zero depth pool with some uh, water features in it for play. And uh, so we're working through that project. There's some expansion at Turtle Lot Park of the pickleball courts and then improvement to the parking area, which may happen the year after. That might have to wait until 23, but we're working through kind of the design work now.
1: And you had mentioned turtle at Park. Something that people may think of is, um, as part of the engagement that was originally done, is Splash Pad. Yeah. And so is
0: there any information you could share about the possibility of a Splash Pad? So we are working on uh, an engagement plan to talk to the community about a Splash Pad elsewhere. So, um, at Turtle Lot Park, the zero depth pool will have some kind of, I'll call it splashy feature, right? Okay. It'll have some play features in it, but it's not what you would really consider a splash pad. So we will be working this spring, summer on a, an engagement conversation with the public about, um, a splash pad. Uh, I think it, it will be much bigger, right? So, um, kind of thinking about where, and then the more fun part of the conversation about what Um, and then the staff will work on the less exciting, like the, how, right. Of how does it get funded? Um, Do we use recycled water? Do we use fresh water? You know, kind of thinking through all of those operational elements to it that, you know, will be part of that discussion and design. Um, So, and then as we finish that engagement, that will be the key to helping us determine the when, you know, how can we fit in into our funding plan? When does it fit in? You know, kind of working through that. So that'll be a huge piece for us on Turtle Island Park, or not really Turtle Island Park, but the splash pad. So people
1: will know that it's it's
0: definitely being looked into, just Absolutely. not necessarily part of Turtle Island at this
1: time. Um, it's on the table, though.
0: Yes, and the council is excited about potentially bringing an exciting feature like that you know, to somewhere else in the community. So we don't have all of our water features in just one area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's some concepts of other locations and we did do last September, We when we had our capital improvement open house, we did get some initial feedback from the public uh, kind of on the where, mm-hmm. uh, and so that, there'll be more of that to come. That sounds great. So then we're also working on uh, community athletic fields, uh, working on improving the parking in that area. Uh, Thomas Park, we are working uh, with, to include uh, kind of youth youth fast pitch softball improvements and drainage and working on pretty some pretty significant improvements to that park, uh, reconfiguring how the fields that are there now, how they lay out so that overall the park functions better. And then for the residents that live around it, that it functions better. So we're excited for that. Um, We have a a riverbank stabilization project that we've been working on for a couple of years. Uh, And so we'll continue to do work in that area. Uh, That is involving uh, looking at some of the contaminated soil that we've identified uh, in that area and developing kind of that remediation effort of how do we address that? What do we do? And last fall, we started with some of that work, but we'll continue to work on that uh, riverbank restoration. We continue to work with uh, kind of building out our fiber uh, network through the community for uh, communica- telecommunications and other efforts. So we kind of work on that. And then our staff are working on the design of the historic Kern Bridge that last year we were given uh, notice that the federal government selected us to be the host for that bridge in the future. So our engineering team is working on design work for the Kern Bridge uh, reinstallation at some point.
1: That'll be exciting once yeah. that bridge is put in place. It'll be a nice. It'll be a nice feature. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Add to quality of life. That's for sure. Uh, are there any other highlights and accomplishments you'd like to share? I know we've covered a lot. You've shared some really good information. Uh, is there anything else you can think of that that's important?
0: Well, I think the biggest thing probably the biggest project that we're working on right now is, um, a bonding request to the state of Minnesota for funding to help not just Mankato, but the c- number of communities that we serve with the water resource and recovery facility, AKA wastewater. Um, so we are working on, uh, an improvement there. It's about a $46 million project and we have about a $20 million bonding request in front of the legislature. Uh, we, uh, have had meetings with the Senate, the House, and the governor's office. Unfortunately, when the governor released their um, uh, capital bonding requ- uh, proposal recently, mm-hmm. about a week or so ago, when they released that, the um, the none of the water or wastewater projects were included. Uh, in their proposal. So none of the proposal or requests submitted by local communities were included in their proposal. And so we will continue to be working with both the House and the Senate to uh, try and continue to have our project get looked at for inclusion in that bonding bill. Our project is very unique in that it is, I believe, the only regional wastewater project that is being considered. Uh, and a big piece of this project, again, it's not just uh, to benefit Mankato. There are a number of communities that we provide services to that, you know, without this, without some assistance or some bonding request uh, or bonding dollars from the state, these communities would likely struggle to um, pay for their share mm-hmm. of the the improvement. And we also have a community south and west of us known as Lake Crystal, that uh, in early February is going to be doing some hearings and meetings with their community about uh, should they request connection to the city of Mankato's water resource recovery facility. And if we aren't able to make these improvements that I that I mentioned, uh, we won't be able to help serve a community like, like Crystal. And if we don't serve like Crystal, at some point they will have to put a plan in place to improve their own wastewater services which will be a 16 to 20 plus million dollar project on their own. And by regionalizing that service, we can help mitigate that cost for that community and share a portion of what we've already created. We can you know, potentially expand slightly to accommodate their additional sewage flow uh, and avoid that incredibly expensive future project for them and for this and for the region, you know, Mm -hmm. from an environmental standpoint, you know, kind of not adding additional wastewater facilities, you know, is, is a good thing from a staffing perspective. These are staff that operate these facilities that aren't there. There aren't hundreds of them just waiting for jobs. So it's, you know, very specialized work that is hard to keep filled. And, you know, so there's a lot of benefits to um, the city of Mankato potentially being able to provide that service for them. And so we're hopeful to continue to work with the state of Minnesota on getting some resources and funding to be able to help manage the cost for our region. Yeah,
1: it sounds like the benefits really outweigh the cost that it it would take to um, take the water resource recovery facility to where it needs to be and increase the useful life of of the of how they they manage uh, wastewater treatment. And then, so behind the numbers that the city's asking for are really people, um, people who are gonna benefit um, by not having such a heavy tax burden on them, should they need, should they have to build their own wastewater treatment facility.
0: That's absolutely true. And in addition to that, there are communities that people don't think of, like our water resource recovery facility also benefits, uh, you know, communities out in Granite Falls. Uh, Granite Falls Energy benefits from our community because we do phosphorus trading with them. The Lower Sioux Indian community benefit because we do phosphorus trading with them. There's a a plant known as ADM out west. We do phosphorus trading for them. So there are a number of communities west of here that benefit in a great way from the work that we're doing here at the Water Resource and Recovery Facility also known as the wharf. So if you hear somebody from the city staff refer to something as the wharf, you can know that that's, it stands for Water Resource and Recovery Facility. Yeah, that's good to get in there because it is a
1: very new uh, term for a lot of people, the wharf versus wastewater
0: treatment. Well, and we do so much there. So, you know, we work with um, a, a local power company to provide um, our discharge water to help them with their cooling process. Uh, so we have a fair amount of recycling that we do with the uh, wharf, And then the um, phosphorus trading is not a small deal. The reason we have the benefit or ability to benefit these other areas is because as the discharge that we have um, is so um, low mm-hmm. in its phosphorus. We have the ability to you know kind of give th- those credits, so to speak, to other communities that it would be very costly for them to reinvent their processing facilities to, to deliver that same level of service. Okay.
1: Well, thank you for sharing information about state of the city and other details um, that you brought to the conversation today. Please make sure to check out state of the city on the city's website at mankato And thank you for joining us on Mankato city stream.
0: Thank you for having me. This has been the Mankato City Stream Podcast. For more information, visit our website at MankatoMN.gov or call 311 or 507-387-8600.